All right, we're going to continue on in Mark chapter 8 this morning. Hopefully we're going to finish it up. We didn't make it as far last week as I said we were, but that's okay. We just kind of cut it off a little short, but we can pick up right where we left off. Y'all have to excuse me. I'm kind of, my throat's kind of scratchy. I may cough a little bit. I've been sick this week, so we're going to try to make it through it. Mark chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 34, and we'll read just through the first verse of chapter 9. And we'll talk about these, these verses today. These are some good passages. The passage last week uh, is, is really one of my favorite passages. At least, I should say, it's a passage that I like because I think it applies to us maybe more than we realize and how, uh, how it may affect how we serve the Lord. That is, other people maybe have an impact in our life and things they say are in the things that we may try to deter people from doing uh, in the same way that Peter tried to deter Jesus from carrying out his mission. Now, we won't rehash all that this week. We talked about it in great detail last week, but it is a good passage, and I would encourage you, if you're not familiar with that passage, to read it. If you'd like to hear that sermon, it's available online. You can find it on the website and listen to it if you want to see what we talked about last week. But we'll pick up uh, where we left off, and uh, we'll start in Mark chapter 8. Verse 34 this morning. <clears throat> Summoning the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to be my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his life? What can a man give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and, my, and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the, with the holy angels. Then he said to them, I assure you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for these words and I pray that you just hide me behind the cross and I pray that you help me to preach and teach and present your word in a way that's going to be beneficial to us. I pray that these words would just speak to us and I pray that we would just be able to grow in them and I ask that your Holy Spirit guide us today and I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. amen. So Jesus is speaking these words, and we'll kind of start at the end, and we'll kind of work our way back. And he says here in verse 1 of chapter 9, he says, I assure you there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. Now, when he's talking about this generation that's receiving these words, and some who are standing there who will not taste death uh, when he, until they see the kingdom come... <clears throat> There's some difference of opinion on what he means by generation there, whether it's simply meant to apply just to those who were there with him or whether there's a broader meaning, whether he's speaking of things that are just going to happen in their generation or whether he's speaking of a generation that is from his time that he came until the time that he returns again. Now, there's some difference of opinion as far as generation and what's going to be seen. We won't get into all that today, but these things, I believe, are applicable both to the people who heard them then and to us who are hearing them today. Uh, while those who were hearing them then in that generation may not have passed 
or excuse me, may not have tasted death until they saw the kingdom of God come in power. Uh, that is true uh, because there were many of those who were there in that day and time that when Jesus died on the cross, they really did see the fulfillment of, of what he had come to do and the kingdom of God coming. And uh, that indeed did happen for those in that generation who were living in Jesus' day. Uh, but these words that Jesus is speaking was not just good to the people of that day and age. Those who would have witnessed his death and resurrection, those who would have seen uh, what a wonderful thing that was and seen the victory that he brought, uh, it may not have seemed quite wonderful at the time, uh, but as they began to rethink the things that Jesus had told him and to see the victory that they had gained through him, uh, the beauty of what he had did by giving his life on a cross had probably become apparent to them. Now, these things that Jesus speaks at the end of chapter 8 are also important for us too. These are words that we need to think about and we need to realize when we say that we are Christians, that we are disciples, that we are followers of Jesus Christ. What does that mean for us to say that we are a Christian? Is it just a word that we say that describes that, well, I go to church on a regular basis and I give a little money in the offering plate I know a few scriptures, and I read the Bible occasionally, so therefore I am a Christian. Are those the things that make us a Christian? Well, those are things that Christians do, for sure. But those are not things that make us a Christian. Now, we want to make sure, I want everybody to make sure, that they are a follower of Jesus Christ and not just a follower of some religious things that Christians sometimes do, because there's a difference between the two. And the fear is that there are some in this world today who may say that they are Christians and they may do Christian things, but they may not actually be following Jesus Christ. Now, there's a difference between doing those things and between really following Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus spells out for his disciples here the same things that are true of every disciple that's followed him and the same things that are true of you and I today as we are his followers and disciples if we've put our faith and trust in him and we follow him. These things are true for us. So after he had talked to Peter last week and after he had told Peter and the rest of the disciples what was going to happen, he finally revealed it to them. Look, I'm, I'm, my life's going to be taken. I'm going to give my life. Those who have been coming against me, they're going to come and they're going to kill me. I'm going to be buried, but three days later, I'm going to be raised. Now, he kind of hit them with this bombshell. This was the first they had heard of in the verses we read last week, and we're eight chapters into Mark, and this is the first time that Jesus has told them of such things. And so, <clears throat> upon Jesus telling them those things, Peter kind of begins to rebuke him, and Jesus says, Get thee behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about what God wants. You're thinking about man's ways. Now, Peter probably didn't have any ill intent. He was just trying to save his friend. But Jesus knew that that thought of keeping Jesus from the cross uh, and keeping Jesus from fulfilling his mission, uh, that thought was from the devil. That was not a thought that came from God. That was not a godly thought. And after this transaction that we saw last week, uh, we get to the verses we have today in verse 34. Summoning the crowd along with his disciples... He said to them, now, it was not just his disciples, there was a crowd there, if anyone wants to be my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, Jesus says there, if anyone wants to be my follower. Now, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Well, there's the difference, as I just said, between being a follower of Jesus and doing some religious practices that many Christians do. 
What Jesus wants us not to do is be legalistic and just worry about doing the outward things that people can see. Yeah, those are things that we should do, but we shouldn't do them out of obligation. We should do them because we love the Lord and that's what we desire to do. We should do the things we do because we desire to follow Jesus. That's what Jesus really wants more than anything is for us to be his follower and for us to follow his example. Now, Jesus had just told the disciples that he was going to die. And I believe here he's wanting the disciples to know, okay, if you're going to be my follower, you're going to have to follow my example. And the same way that people are going to come and persecute me and ultimately take my life, so they will come and persecute you and may even ultimately take your life. Jesus told the disciples how he was going to die, and now I believe he's letting them kind of get ready for what following him really means. Now, they really probably don't realize what all this means in the moment with the language that Jesus uses. They're probably still trying to connect the dots from what he had said about being killed. Now, obviously, Peter probably was not along and, 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 and his you know, thinking, whoa, wait a minute, Jesus, this isn't going to happen. You're not going to be killed. Uh, after all, Jesus was a pretty good guy. I mean, he was a perfect guy. And so they probably still hadn't quite wrapped their head around everything that was going on. And then Jesus begins to tell them this, which is a beautiful uh, thing that he's telling them that we need to uh, listen to. If anyone wants to be my follower, he must deny himself. Now, that is, that is tough right there. But it's true, because we have all of these, these, these human desires and these human things that just come natural to us. We always desire our own safety, for instance. We, we always, when, when something comes up in our life and our safety is at risk, we are going to do whatever we can to try to take care of ourselves, to preserve ourselves. Uh, oftentimes, we think about ourselves. Now, if you have children and grandchildren, then you think about them too. But, but we're always focused on self-preservation. Uh, even if things got really bad, uh, you may not know how to hunt, you may not know how to fish, but if there was no food, guess what? You would learn how. You would learn how to do whatever you had to do to take care of yourself, your needs, and your desires. That's our human nature. That's our fleshly nature. Now, that's not entirely always a bad thing. We want to be able to have that desire to take care of ourselves, but oftentimes our human fleshly desires are, are, are so focused on ourselves that sometimes we don't do things that we should do or we even do things that we shouldn't do to see that we get what we want. And sometimes those desires that we want are not really things that we need and are not really things that are good for us. But we don't really care about that. Sometimes the things that we want, we may have to trample over other people or do things we shouldn't do to get those things because we don't want to deny ourselves any pleasure. And depending on how much we want things that we want, well, it may lead us to do really bad things that we shouldn't do. But what Jesus says is that if we are going to be his follower, then we must deny ourselves. Well, what does it mean to deny ourselves? Well, it means to say, uh, well, I guess we could apply that in a few different ways, but maybe the most simple way is, okay, is there something that, that, that I can say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do without so that somebody else can do with. That may be the simplest way, the simplest thing <coughs> Excuse me. that first comes to mind. 
is can I deny myself some of my own pleasures and my own desires to help someone else? After all, that's what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ, uh, he could have stayed in heaven with God for all of eternity. He never had to come to this earth, but instead he denied himself. He gave up a place of perfection and came to a place of sin because he loved you and I to give his life for you and I. Now, Jesus gave up what he had uh, to get something that was a lot worse, but he did it out of love. Now, we see and hear stories of people doing that uh, sometimes uh, in, in things that we read or see on TV. For instance, we talk about this story a lot, I reference it a lot, but it's such a good story that uh, it, it's worth referencing a lot, I think. And that is the story of Lottie Moon, who had food to eat as she was a missionary, but the people she was serving uh, didn't have food to eat, and she, she took her food that was provided for her uh, by the mission board, and she gave it to the people she was serving. Well, guess what? She starved herself to death. Now, that's a, that's a, a sad story in a way, but in a way, it's really not. It's a beautiful story. Uh, she denied her own, her own needs, her own desires, uh, the own food that she had to live on. She denied herself her own well-being for the good of others. Now, I believe that that's the kind of thing that Jesus is talking about here. When he talks about that we deny ourselves, that's the kind of thing that he's talking about. Now, there are ways that we may can deny ourselves. Maybe there are things that we could do to help other people, but we say, well, <clears throat> I don't really want to do that because there's this thing I want. There's this thing I want to do. There's this thing I like. And I could use my time or my money to help somebody else, but... Well, I don't want to do that. And so we kind of try to straddle the fence is what we try to do. We try to straddle the fence and say, well, I can do a little bit for them and a little bit for me too. Well, is that what God's really calling us to do? Well, I don't know the answer to that. Only you know what God may be convicting you of or, way, or maybe what God's calling you to do. But there may be things in our life that we need to examine and say, okay, God, are there some things that I could give up? Are there some things that maybe I could do without and I could take some of what I have and give it to other people? Maybe it's money, maybe it's some items we have, maybe it's some time that we have, and we could say, boy, I sure would like to spend this time relaxing. <coughs> I sure would like to spend this time resting because after all, I've worked so hard this week and I do deserve to rest. Well, rest is a good thing and God does want us to rest, but maybe there are times that maybe you say, you know what, I need to take some of my rest time and maybe I need to go help somebody else with something that they need help with. There are lots of things maybe in our life that we can think of that we need to deny ourselves of. Now, Jesus goes on to say here to take up his cross and follow him. Now, this phrase means something to us instantly if you've read through the Bible because we know that Jesus was crucified on a cross. <clears throat> but for Jesus' disciples, this phrase may have not made perfect sense when they first heard it. Because to be nailed to a cross was something that was reserved for the worst criminals. Uh, it was something that, the, that, that Rome did. It was a way that, that really bad criminals were killed. And they probably, when they heard Jesus say the, the word, take up his cross, it may not have registered to them exactly what he was saying. Now, they would have known what a cross was. That would have been familiar language. But they may not have been able to connect the dots that Jesus would have died on the cross. They may not have even imagined that that was what was going to happen. Or maybe they got exactly what Jesus said. Maybe they knew what Jesus was saying. Maybe they did understand it. Or maybe they, even though they understand the concept of the cross here, maybe they don't quite understand what Jesus means. Now, 
These words, if they did not understand them at the time that Jesus uttered them, they no doubt would have understood these words when Jesus died on the cross. These words probably would have flooded back into their mind. They would have remembered what Jesus said here. <clears throat> and when Jesus says here that if we're going to follow him, that we're going to have to uh, take up his cross and follow him, well, Jesus is speaking quite literally of what's going to happen to him. Because Jesus, uh, in those days, it was, it was uh, common for people to have to carry their cross. Now, Jesus wasn't able to carry his own cross because of the condition that he was in, and they called a man from the crowd to carry Jesus' cross for him. Now, when Jesus says that to follow him means that it's going to be self-denial and means that we're going to have to carry our cross, <clears throat> well, he's telling us, look, if we're going to be a follower of his, it's not going to be easy. Now, it was not easy for his disciples whenever they came after him, after he was crucified and resurrected. It was not easy for them, and it has not been easy for Christians since, and it's still not easy for Christians today. This verse may still quite literally apply to some people today, because there may still be people in the world today who are having to carry a cross. There are still... And some parts of the world today, people who are crucified on crosses. And so it's possible that this may be quite literal for some in the world today. <clears throat> Although it's not likely, I say that, I don't know the future, but it's unlikely that we may be crucified on a cross or we may ever have to carry a cross. The point that Jesus is making here is that if we are going to follow him, it's not going to be an easy road. And even as tough as it is, after all the tough has come, there may be more tough to come. Because by the time it got to Jesus having to carry his cross, well, he had already been beaten. He had already experienced all kind of beatings and all kind of difficulties and all kind of people mocking him. Jesus had, had just begun. And then after all of that, he was supposed to carry his cross. And then after all of that, he was ultimately going to be nailed to the cross. And I think what Jesus is doing is he's presenting this picture. He's told the apostles, what, all right, this is what I'm going to have to do. Look, they're going to take my life. And then he switches gears and said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. And look, the road's going to be tough for you too. And when they saw Jesus actually doing these things and going through these things that he had told them about, these words probably flooded into their mind. They probably saw firsthand, this is what it means to deny. This is what Jesus said uh, meant when he said deny yourself. Because Jesus didn't just tell them to deny themselves. Jesus showed them what self-denial really is. Jesus showed them, all right, here's what love is. When you say you love people, when you're willing to give everything you can to take care of them and help them, even putting your own life on the line, that is love. That is what it means to deny yourself. That is what it means to care for other people. That is what it means when even when things are tough, even when it's difficult, even when you're in harm's way, even when people around you are being hurt or killed, even when you're being harmed, even when you're at risk of death, even in the midst of that, you say, I'm going to continue to serve. Now, <clears throat> I referenced the Free Burma Rangers documentary. Well, I want to tell you that's exactly what those men and women are doing. All the places they go, that's exactly what they are doing. And there are some who have lost their life doing just what Jesus said. What a beautiful example that we see that's fresh on some of our minds of exactly what Jesus calls all of us to do, to deny ourselves. Now, that may be harder to do than it is to say. It's easy to say, all right, I'm, I'm ready to deny myself. 
But really our heart has to be in the right place. We have to have the right faith and really trust the Lord to be able to do that. We could all go get on a plane today and go where the fighting's rough and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to run out there and I'm going to serve, and we could all get shot and die today. And, and maybe we're doing that with the right heart, but just because we do that action and die may not mean that we have the right heart. I think what Jesus really wants as far as to have the right heart, if our heart leads us to that because we really want to serve the Lord, that's what Jesus really wants of us to do. And so I don't know that we can necessarily start. Maybe, maybe God convicts us enough and the Spirit moves us enough in a way that our heart really is moved, that we're ready to lay our life down today, and we'd gladly uh, run out and do that should the opportunity present itself. Maybe that's the case. But I think that maybe sometimes it's a process that God puts us through. We may say, all right, I want to deny myself. I want to go out and give my life for people. But really, I don't know if we're ready to do that. Because really, we might not even be ready to deny ourselves the simple things that we could do. Maybe there are simple things that we are called to do right now. And God may be saying, hey, maybe you could buy that homeless person a meal. And you say, well, I could buy that homeless person a meal, but this is my $10 and I worked hard for it and I'm not going to give that person my $10 to buy them a hamburger. Well, if we're not ready to deny ourselves in a small thing like that and say, you know what, I'm going to deny myself this money that I could use on something for me to help somebody else. If we can't deny ourselves in the small things that we have the ability to right now, well, then chances are we're probably not going to be able to deny ourselves when the bigger times come. If we want to be able to be those that say, all right, God, I want to have that faith. I want to have the faith that Jesus had. I want to have the faith that the free murder rangers have. I want to have the faith that all these men and women and heroes of faith in your word had, God, that were willing to give everything for you. God, I want to have that faith. Well, how do we get that faith? We start by listening to God. That's how you get that faith. You start by listening to God. You listen to Him in the small things. And when you are faithful with a little, He will allow you to be faithful with a lot. And the more you are faithful to Him, and the more you're able to deny yourself just a little thing, and you're able to deny yourself this and say, God, I'm going to give up this to serve you. God, I'm going to give a little bit of my this to someone else, a little bit of my time, a little bit of my money, whatever it is. When we begin to deny ourselves the things that we like that are comfortable to us, <laughs> When we start with those small little things that we're easily able to do that God puts in our path, when we begin to give in and say, okay, God, I'm going to listen to you, when we listen to him, then guess what happens? We begin to grow. Our faith begins to grow. And pretty soon, we get to a point where we are spiritually mature and our faith is strong and our trust is strong because we've trusted God in the little things and we've seen him work. But I don't know if it's as easy to go from, all right, God, I want to go from zero to 100 right now. I think it may be a process. Now, God could make us from zero to 100. I'm not saying he couldn't. But I think sometimes God uses that process, and maybe God's testing us to see, okay, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to put this on your heart. I'm going to see if you do it. I'm going to see if you're willing to deny yourself. How many times has God done that and you fail that test? Maybe there is more that God wants to do, but maybe you haven't shown God that you're willing to listen. Maybe God does want to call you to serve in some way. Maybe some extreme way. Maybe some way that your faith is going to have to be as strong as possible. Maybe God does want to use you for that, but maybe God sees that you're not ready. Because maybe God's put the little stuff in your path and you've missed that. So maybe next time God puts something in your path, maybe you want to think about this verse and say, Okay, God, is this a time where you're calling me to deny myself? Is this a time where you can use me to do your work? And maybe I've missed it in the past, but God, I don't want to miss it today. 
And when Jesus says to his disciples here, look, be ready to deny yourself and take up your cross, it's a tough thing to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not just coming to church every once in a while. It's not just reading a Sunday school lesson. It's not just knowing a little bit of God's word. To be a follower of Christ is so much more than that. It requires much more than that because being a follower of Christ is often difficult. And if we really are serving the Lord, then oftentimes we will meet difficulties. It will be hard for us because, man, we all got those human desires, even those of us who are Christians. Man, we have those things that we desire. We have those things that we want. We want to take care of ourselves. And it's not easy. It's like a war that's, that's being waged within us because we got our fleshly human desires. But once we become a Christian, we become a new creation in Christ. So now we have new spiritual desires that are within us. And oftentimes our spiritual de desires do not line up with our human desires. They are at war with one another. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17. If you want to turn there and read, you can. If not, just listen. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 says this, For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want. Now isn't that something right there? Because our fleshly desires, boy, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do that, and all these things that oftentimes aren't good for us. But then once we're that new creation in Christ, well, now we don't just hear our fleshly desires telling us do this, and we just give in to it because we don't know any better. Well, now we've got another voice that's speaking to us, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now there's another desire that's saying, no, that's not what you really want to do. That's not the right thing to do. That's not healthy for you. That's not good for you. And, and Galatians says that these things kind of wage war against each other so that we do not do what we want to do, at least not in the flesh. We don't do what we want to do because what we want to do in the flesh is often sinful and so we must fight against those things we must not give in to those things we must uh, not give in to those urges we must uh, deny ourselves, and we must not live for the world but we must live for jesus christ because he says in verse 35 <coughs> for whoever wants to save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it for what does it benefit a man to gain the whole world yet lose his life? Now, this idea of, of, of people trying to save their life and losing it and losing their life and, and saving it uh, sounds really backwards, at least uh, to those who are not Christians uh, and even to some who are Christians. This may seem kind of strange because, because to us, to, to save our life is to not deny ourselves to provide for ourselves, to have more, to take care of ourselves, to provide security for ourselves. That's how we save our life. That's how our life is good. That's how our life is okay. That's how we're going to be protected and taken care of is that we are going to take care of ourselves. And so we spend a large portion of our life trying to save our life, to take care of ourselves, to provide for ourselves, to find security for ourselves. But oftentimes when we do that, we're doing that in materialistic, worldly ways. Uh, we're trying to say, okay, well, how can I build up my, my retirement to be a little more? How can I build up my nest egg? Because after all, I want to be taken care of. Well, I want to go to the doctor. I want to have this procedure. I want to spend all this money on all these fancy diets. I want to eat right. I want to be healthy because I want to take care of myself. I want to save myself. I want to be taken care of when I get old. I never want to get in bad shape. I always want to be able to do it. And we do all these things we can 
to try to save our lives and to try to make our lives good and to try to uh, be prepared for financially and to try to be prepared for with our land and fences around our land and want to be safe and gates and everything's good. All these things we do to take care of ourselves, to protect ourselves, to save our lives. But all of these worldly things that we focus on don't save our life at all. It just makes us become more worldly. And there's this, there's this, there's this, uh, the, in our mind we think that, boy, we need to do these things and these are good things, and those things are not necessarily all bad things. But if that's what we're focused on for our security and for our safety, then, boy, we're in a bad place. Because if we begin to focus on those things, those things can become God to us. Those things can become more important to us, and those things will be things that we are less likely to deny. Because we get so caught up in those things, it's hard for us to deny those things. When we could be maybe using some of our, our, our energies and our monies and, and whatever we have uh, that we spend on some of those things for ourselves to take care of ourselves, when we could be spending those things on others, well, we don't want to deny ourselves because we're trying to save ourselves, to protect ourselves, to make ourselves be okay. And Jesus says that we are to deny ourselves, that those who try to save their self, Whoever tries to save their life will lose their life. But whoever loses their life for Jesus and for the gospel, they'll find it. Now that's what our real desire should be, that we are to the point that we grow in the Lord, that we're mature enough that we say, Lord, I'm willing and ready to give it all for you. Now, we could probably all say that, but could we all do that when the time came? Could we all do that if the time came that we really were called upon by God, if the situation was upon us where we had to, where we had to stand up for God or we had to deny God? Well, what are we going to do? Are we going to deny ourselves? or are we going to deny God? If we deny God, everything may be easy. At least in this world, all the bad would pass. We'd be free of the persecution. Everything would be okay. But if we don't deny God, well, we have to deny ourselves and say, okay, God, I'm going to stand up for you. But the result is things are going to be bad for me. Now, it may be easy for us to say, okay, God, I'm not going to deny you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to give up everything for you. But the only way to know that is when we're tested. But we've got to be ready should that day of testing come. We don't want to be those that just say, okay, God, I'm ready. But we want to be those who actually are ready. We want to be those who say, okay, God... I don't really know if I'm ready to give up everything. And be honest, because God knows. He knows your heart, and you probably know your heart too. We don't want to pretend with ourselves and say, oh yeah, I'm ready to go. If God called me today, I'd give everything. Well, maybe you would, and if you would, praise the Lord. Or maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you'd struggle with it. Maybe deep down inside you know you want to. You want to do the right thing, because you got the Holy Spirit in you, and that's the desire of God. But there's that still that human side of you, and that war's raging on. And some of you, that war's raging. I get it. Because there's these things, and you say, golly, I, I want to do this. And then the Holy Spirit says, but you should do this. And so we need to be honest with ourselves and say, okay, God, I want to be to the point where I'm ready to deny everything and ready to give all for you. But God, I'm not there. God, help me to get there. And I believe that God is faithful, and he will help us to get there. God knows our struggles. God knows our weaknesses. He knows that we're, even though we are His, that those human fleshly desires are still there. 
I believe that God gets that, and I believe that God hears prayers like that when we say, God, I'm just honest with you. I want to be there, and I'm not quite there. I see that this is what Jesus calls me to. And he says, if I'm going to be his follower, i got to do these things. And God, I want to be his follower, so help me to do these things. And that's what we should do. We should make every effort to try to grow in the Lord so that we can mature in the Lord, so that we can be in a spot where we will be ready to deny him. And not worry about the things of the world. Because the things of the world are going to be gone. But the things of Jesus Christ are going to be eternal. And that's what Jesus doesn't want us to miss. He doesn't want us to forget that point. That all of these things on the world are going to pass away. They're going to be gone. But what Jesus Christ wants to offer us is eternal. And if we take what is passing, then we'll have nothing for eternity. If we take what Jesus gives us now, we'll have it both now and for all eternity. <clears throat> And so many times we're so worried about ourselves and taking care of ourselves and getting what we can get for ourselves that we deny Jesus. And when the time comes that we stand before Jesus and we've denied Jesus, then Jesus will deny us. But we don't want to be those who, who are swayed by the world and say, okay, Lord Jesus, I'm going to deny you for the world. But we want to be those that say, you know what? The world may be appealing to us, but what Jesus offers is far more appealing. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, if you want to turn there, that's in the Old Testament, you can turn. If not, uh, I'll read it for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. This is probably the writings of Solomon here. And uh, I'll tell you what he said. Now, he had a lot of wealth. He had a lot of wisdom. He had everything that you could possibly ever want. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10, it says, All that my eyes desired... I did not deny them. I did not refuse myself any pleasure, for I took pleasure in all my struggles. This was my reward for all my struggles. When I considered all that I had accomplished and what I had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile in a pursuit of the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. Now, isn't that something? A man who had everything that you could possibly have and he said, all that my eyes desired, I did not deny them. He didn't deny himself anything. He had everything he wanted. There was no self-denial for him. He worked hard, and what he got was a reward for his hard work. He had everything he could possibly have ever wanted, and he took pleasure in all that he had. Until one day he realized it wasn't nothing. When I considered all that I had accomplished and had labored to achieve, I found everything to be futile. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. He had to gain everything to realize he didn't have anything. Now, we can learn from him so we don't have to learn that mistake. There's been plenty of people in this world, and maybe even some of you in this room, that have learned the same thing that Solomon learned. You got everything you ever wanted only to find you didn't have nothing. You got everything you thought was going to make you happy only to realize that life was still horrible, that there was still sin, that there was still sickness, that there was still death, that there was still sorrow, that there were still hard times, that you were still sad, that you were still depressed. Now, some of us have maybe learned this lesson. You got everything you ever wanted to get only to find out you still weren't happy. You didn't deny yourself anything, but you still were left unsatisfied. Well, that's what Solomon found out. He had gained everything and yet had nothing. Well, Jesus doesn't want us 
to find that lesson out when we face him in judgment. Jesus wants us to find that lesson out now. Jesus wants us to deny ourselves now and to follow him now, to take up our cross and follow him now, that we learn that lesson while we were here so that we'll experience him, so that we don't worry about gaining everything in this world, but we worry about gaining everything in Jesus Christ. And it's not going to be easy. It's not. There are days where God is good to us, praise the Lord. He blesses us. He takes care of us. He provides for us. Man, God is good. He answers our prayers a lot of times. God is good, and God takes care of his people. Amen. That is good stuff. God does that. But it doesn't mean that things are always going to be easy. The free Burma Rangers, God is good to them. God protects them. God has spared so many of them from death. God has provided their needs. God has provided a way for them to get where they needed to get and supplies that they needed to get. God has opened paths for them to get through and escape the enemy when it didn't seem like there was a way out. God has been good to them and provided for them. And as good as God has been and as good as God has taken care of them, it has been hard. They have denied themselves much. They are in the jungles. They are in the deserts. They are in hard times. There are bullets flying. There are people who are losing their life. They are wounded. There's all this bad stuff that's happening. And as good as God is and as much as God has taken care of them, God has still called them there and God has still placed them there. And in the midst of all of it, it's still tough. So when God calls us to serve, one, we need to know that God's going to be with us. But two, we need to know that just because God is with us doesn't mean that everything's always going to be easy. That if we're going to follow Jesus, we got to know, all right, this is going to be tough. I don't want to just play Christian. I don't want to just come to church on Sundays. I don't want to just throw a little money in the plate and sing a few songs and go home. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to follow Jesus. We have to follow his example. The way he treated people, the way he loved people, the way he gave everything for people, that is what Jesus is calling us to. When he says that we are to follow him, that's what he wants us to do. When he says that we are to take up our cross, he says he's saying that, look, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be tough, but in the same way that he was victorious, so shall you and I be victorious if we put our faith and trust in him. If you hadn't put your faith and trust in him today, you need to do it. If you hadn't denied yourself, maybe you realize for the first time, I've never denied myself. I thought I was following Jesus, but I wasn't. I was just coming to church. And maybe today you realize for the first time, I don't want to just come to church. I want to follow Jesus. Well, praise the Lord. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Does he want us to come to church? Absolutely. He wants us to come and fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. But what he wants more than anything is for you to follow him. And if you hadn't followed him today, if he's speaking to you, don't leave here without putting your faith and trust in him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and thank you for these words. And I pray that you would help us to learn how and have the strength to deny ourselves, dear Lord. It's tough because we got all these freshly fleshly desires and, and uh, things that we want and things that we want to work for and things that we want to be in control of. But dear Lord, to be your follower means that we got to let you be in control and we got to relinquish our control and some of our, some of our comforts, dear Lord, to be able to help others. And I pray that you would help us to do that and uh, help us to take the steps. God, maybe it's big steps that you're going to help us to be able to take if we desire that. God, maybe it's small steps. Just help us in the little stuff. Help us to grow in you so we'd be ready to do the big stuff. And God, help us just to be mature and to trust you if we're your follower. God, I pray that if there's one that's in this room that's not your follower today, maybe they've never trusted you and put their faith in you, I pray that today they would. 
I pray that today that they would follow you for the first time if they never have. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would just convict them of that. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.